Hello, friends of Soul Kitchen. Thank you for listening to my podcast. My name is Jasper Mutsaerts. I'm an entrepreneur, adventurer, coach, and wisdom seeker. With Soul Kitchen, I interview people that inspire me. From TED speakers to social entrepreneurs, from activists to artists, from dreamers to seekers, from business people to spiritual teachers. With Soul Kitchen, I empower people to live their quest. And each episode contains a recipe for life. What is your quest? Hello, friends of Soul Kitchen. Welcome to episode 60. This episode will be on the art of thinking big. Recently, I received some feedback from one of my listeners. Uh, She liked uh, to have more episodes that I am doing, like solo episodes, and maybe shorter episodes on certain topics. So I'll be sharing more episodes myself. So the last one was on the art of podcasting, and this one is on thinking big. It's a topic close to my heart. I'm a dreamer uh, myself, and the advantage of being a dreamer is that I don't see many limitations or or barriers. So thinking big, I think, is something that comes naturally to me. And I believe it's something that you can develop. It's a skill that you can develop. I think 10 years ago, I was doing a project uh, through McKinsey at uh, Think, the Amsterdam School of Creative Leadership. I was participating in a workshop on Thinking Big. It was hosted by Menno van Dijk, a former McKinsey director, and uh, Bas Verhart, who is uh, yeah, an entrepreneur in the Netherlands. And they were having a session on Thinking Big, and I felt so inspired, and it really influenced uh, my career. Um, I think Thinking Big, it's also part of my upbringing. In a sense, I come from a a place of privilege. I mean, I have to admit, if I look at my uh, role models next to my dad, who is a doctor, I have three grandfathers. Uh, so the grandfather of my mother, uh, he was vice president of the Supreme Court. The grandfather of my second mother, uh, my mother passed away, so I have, a, I have a, let's say, a second mother. He used to be a director of a psychiatric institution, I think with 800 uh, employees. And then the grandfather of my father's side, he used to have his own business in the the textile industry. So of course it helps, right? That I have these male role models um, that have been thinking thinking big um, in a sense. And then as a student, I studied at the London School of Economics. And I remember at, at the London School of Economics, there were like guest speakers, such as the CEO of Microsoft, uh, the president of Chile, a renowned, renowned scientist. And at that time in London, I felt, wow, those people are incredible, but I, they were also so close to me. And I also realized they're just human beings. So at that age, I was 23 at the time, I felt ah, I'm part of this, this circle of, of people. And then while working at McKinsey, you work with CEOs, you work with, with people, yeah, the dream and think big. So definitely those, those things helped. But then later in my entrepreneurial career, um, yeah, I think the art of thinking big helped me. So in this episode, I'll share a few things that uh, work for me or that I have learned about this topic 
through my own experiences, but also through things that you know, people taught me. So the first thing is uh, bigger things are sometimes easier than smaller things. I learned this from a former colleague of mine who worked at McKinsey and also went to Harvard Business School. I think she, she learned this at Harvard Business School from a uh, yeah, one of her teachers. And why are bigger things sometimes easier than smaller things? I think because when you start bigger things, people get excited. They get excited by your bigger dreams and they love to be part of it. So for instance, when COVID came into the Netherlands and our prime minister announced the lockdown, I created an idea, a website to thank healthcare workers you know, for their work. Um, the initiative was called Dank aan de Zorg in Dutch. And later it was called, called Thank You uh, Caretakers. And I calculated that in the Netherlands, there's like 100,000 people uh, working in healthcare. So the intention was to thank these 100,000 people. So if I would have said, let's thank 10 people, maybe people didn't get inspired. But we set the intention uh, to thank 100,000 people. So we created a website where people could leave their thank you messages. Then we connected these thank you messages through uh, screens in hospitals where the thank yous were shown on a real life basis. And because of our big dream, uh, we found an advertising agency, Iris, that wanted to help us for free. So we had billboards all over the country. We had a television commercial. And later we also expanded to India, to France, to the UK, to Singapore. And we expanded our campaign to multiple countries. And we had 80 volunteers working for this project because people got really excited. And at the end of the campaign, uh, we got nominated for Dutch Advertising Award of the Year, uh, Gouden Lucky, uh, which is quite known award in the Netherlands. Uh, we had celebrities participating in this project. And because we were in a certain flow, because we had the big intention, then people like to be part of it. So point one, bigger things are sometimes easier than smaller things. Then I think the second thing that I started to realize is that the media enjoy it when you have a big plan. So when I was, I think, 27, uh, one of my dreams was to have a private island. But at the time, I, I didn't have uh, the money to buy a private island. But I was thinking there must be more people in this world that would love to have a private island, but they don't have the money to buy it. So I was looking at a website called Flooding Private Islands. It's a place where you can rent and buy private islands. And I found an island in Sweden uh, for 150,000 euro. And I made a plan to buy it. And I started a campaign, want to share a slice of paradise. The campaign that if 100 people invest 2,000 euro, uh, we can buy the private island together. The idea got picked up by a journalist from a newspaper in the Netherlands, at Parole. It's a famous newspaper in Amsterdam. And suddenly there was a one-page uh, article about me. A young man wants to buy a private island. Do you want to join? And then this idea went viral. We are featured in multiple newspapers, radio, television. It was crazy. Suddenly the media was talking about this plan to crowdfund a private island. So what I learned from this experience is that, you know, media, they love it. Uh, when you're presenting a big plan and um, 
at the end, we didn't raise enough money. We raised 56,000 euro, but we didn't raise the 200,000 euro because some people had concerns about the practicalities of the plan. And I must admit, yeah, I understand their concerns because yeah, the private island only had one little house. So it was also maybe difficult to accommodate 100 people. But for me, it was a fun experience and it really accelerated my career because of the media appearances. Uh, people started to approach me. They wanted to work with me. Investors approached me. So yeah, I really learned a lot about uh, the art of thinking big and the media enjoy it when you have a big plan. Then the third thing, a realization that really helped me is everything that you see has been invented by someone. So every chair, every table, every company, everything, every initiative, every nonprofit foundation, everything that you see has been invented by someone. For instance, Nike was invented by someone that loved running and then started selling shoes. But also the United Nations has been invented uh, by someone. Um, what else? Uh, UNICEF, uh, War Child, Dance for Life. All these initiatives have been invented by someone that at some point thought, let's do this, you know, let's screw it, let's do it, let's try this, let's create this. I think once you realize that, for me, it really shifted my perspective on life. It's like everything has been envisioned by something and you can also do that. And I think Steve Jobs, in one of his speeches, he's, he shared that once he had that realization, his life changed. And I do agree with him. Um, I've only had a job uh, for two years, an office job. And during this job, I realized uh, two things. One, that I don't enjoy going to an office every day. And the second thing is uh, that I, I don't enjoy having a job. And I started, uh, let's say, this entrepreneurial life and this insight from Steve Jobs that everything that you see has been invented by someone. I think it has really helped me because I started to experiment with creating things, coming up with ideas and really having the confidence that it could work because if other people can do it, uh, why cannot, can I not do it? And in that time when I started, I met uh, a person at the, uh, the Think, the Amsterdam School of Creative Leadership. And he told me, when you're an entrepreneur, you are a decision maker, even if you have zero employees. So as of today, Jasper, make sure you always talk with other decision makers. So even if, if a company has 50,000 employees, always send a message to the CEO first because you're a decision maker and you want to spend your time talking with other decision makers. So this is also a thought that really helped me. So whenever I try to get something done uh, from an organization, I always send the message to the CEO first or to, let's say, the founder or the decision maker. I think it really helped me. There's nothing wrong uh, with people that are not decision makers. Um, I mean, they can be uh, good uh, human beings, but in terms of entrepreneurship, you know, it's easier to focus on the decision makers. 
Then the fourth thing that really helped me is a saying from Peter Thiel. He's a legendary American investor. And he sometimes asks himself the question, what can I do in six months instead of 10 years? So what is something that you think would take 10 years? And how can you do it in six months? This question, of course, is not a guarantee uh, that's something that normally takes 10 years that you do it in six months, but it really shifts your thinking, right? So it could be, let's say you want to set up a designer cafe and you think it takes 10 years to open your third location. But then if you ask yourself the question, how can I do this in six months? Maybe the answer is that you need to raise a little bit more capital and that you uh, need to find uh, a current restaurant chain that has already three locations and that wants to sell these locations to you, right? So it, it makes you think more creatively. I think this could be a super useful question. What can you do or achieve in six months that normally takes 10 years? And the fifth thing, it's a bit of a habit or mindset that I've developed. Never assume that people are too busy, regardless of their fame or their status. You never assume that people don't have time for you. You can always send people a message and ask them uh, if they have time for you, if they can do something for you. And then, I mean, they're adults, right? They can say no to you, or maybe they do not respond, but never assume that someone is too busy. Um, that's a bit like, oh, he must be very busy. I mean, every person has 24 hours in a day, right? So there's not, I don't, yeah, I don't see a reason why you would assume that people are too busy. So for me, one example in this podcast, I reached out to Eric Edmeets. He's a legendary uh, public speaking teacher with a lot of public speaking gigs around the world. And I think he has 200,000 followers. So of course I could have thought like, oh, he, he will probably be too busy. Uh, I'm too small for him. He will not have time to talk with me. Uh, but instead of assuming that I sent him a message like, hey, can I interview you for my podcast? And um, I also, uh, told him that I can share his knowledge with my LinkedIn followers and entrepreneurs in Netherlands. And then he said, yeah, sure, great idea. So the sixth thing that really helped me, I read it in the, the four hour work week, the book by Tim Ferriss, that if you want to reach out to people that are maybe uh, known for something or that maybe receive many messages from people, he says, you know, send them an informal message. So let's say if you want to reach out to Barack Obama, you could say, uh, dear President Obama, you're, you're probably very busy. Uh, you probably don't have time for me. It's an honor. It's an absolute honor. If I can meet you for 30 minutes, it will be a delightful honor to, to finally speak with you. Instead of doing that, so he recommends you to say, hello, Barack, uh, can we have a quick chat? I would like to ask you something. And of course, Barack Obama, um, yeah, maybe he doesn't have time for you because he probably receives a lot of messages. But you get the point, right? Instead of making it so formal, you just say, hello, Barack, uh, can I have a quick chat with you? So this has really influenced my thinking. Whenever I approach someone that is known for something or has a certain important position, you know, don't make the person too important. Approach the person in an informal way. Then the seventh thing, that really helped me is, is the realization that there is a lot of money available in the world. So even though the money is not yet on your bank account, 
if you have a certain plan that requires money, and I'm not saying that you always should look for money, um, it can also be very purposeful and meaningful to do projects on your own. I mean, there's a lot of disadvantages in, in asking investors. But if you decide to do so, there is a lot of money available. I think the story of Adam Newman, the founder of WeWork, is quite interesting. I mean, he is a little bit controversial. But I think um, an investor <laughs> wanted to invest like uh, 400 million uh, in Adam Newman. And then he said, why don't we make it 4 billion? So he made it 10 times bigger. Then he presented the big plan and then the investor <laughs> decided to invest 4 billion. And it's also related to the first point, right? Bigger things are sometimes easier than smaller things. Again, a disclaimer, I don't want to pretend that money is the best thing in the world or that you always need to think bigger. Sometimes smaller is also great. Living a simple house, simple life in a tiny house can be very purposeful, very meaningful. Uh, but yeah, for the sake of this episode, I mean, this episode is about the art of thinking big. So the eighth thing, yeah, that really helped me is asking yourself the question, like, which dream are you a little scared for? And then you can lean in into what that is. So for me, it will be maybe delivering a TED talk. I'm a little scared for it. So then I can, I can kind of lean in, like, why am I scared uh, for that? And uh, what could it bring me if I take steps into that direction? I mean, podcasting used to be a thing that I was interested in. It was a little scary for me. Then I was leaning in, like, why is it scary? Then I find found out that uh, to be really authentic and sharing myself online, uh, you know, with podcasting, my family could listen to it, my friends could listen to it. In the beginning, I was worried, oh, what would they think if I talk about a certain topic, let's say about psychedelics, or what do they think if I interview this person? But then I realized it's at the end, it's my life, and um, I want to be my authentic self. So by podcasting, I really step into that authentic version. And then, and nowadays I'm not so afraid anymore. Like what would people think about all these episodes? So question could be, which stream are you a little scared for and how can you lean into that? Then the ninth thing that has helped me is, you know, add a zero to your goals. So with Bohemian Birds, my first business, I first wanted to make a thousand euro revenue. So by uh, finding the first client for the first Balkan trip, we made a thousand. Then I added one zero. Can we make ten thousand? And then uh, we we were selling like twelve people to our first trip, so we had twelve thousand. So we reached the ten thousand. So then it was like, can we reach a hundred thousand? Ooh, that's a little scary. Can that work? And then we shifted the model from selling trips to individuals to to selling to student groups. And we made a hundred thousand in a year. Then we challenged ourselves, like, could we make a million? And we participated in an entrepreneur program that helps you to scale your business from 100K to a million. And during that program, I met an entrepreneur in the music industry that challenged us, why do you limit yourself to a million? Why don't you reach for 10 million? How will 10 million look like? And again, I'm not saying that 10 million needs to be your goal, but it made me think differently. Like, oh, how would the 10 million business look like? And then during that program, we decided to change our goal. We said, instead of aiming for a million, we go for 10 million. And the, the advantage of this, it made the million look easier. Uh, we started to feel into it. 
how do people behave that have a, a business with 10 million and after a few years i think five years later we reached uh, the 10 million uh, goal so we yeah we built a business with, with 10 million in revenue um so it really helped me to think bigger you add a zero to your goal and step by step you grow into it and you ask yourself how would that look like so if you currently have a business with 100k ask yourself how would one million look like if you have a business of 1 million ask yourself how would 10 million look like then the last thing or, or number 10 is where do you put your limit and where does this come from where do you put your limit in terms of how global you operate where do you put your limit in terms of revenue where do you put your limit in terms of uh, the types of people uh, that you network with where do you put your limit in terms of the types of conferences that you attend where do you put your limit in terms of um, yeah how creative you are in your goal setting and and where does this come from does this come from your mother does this come from your father does this come from certain role models like why have you decided that this is your limit and again i'm not saying that you should think bigger but it's more that you're aware of like where you put your limit and if you want to change your limit you know practice a few of those things like add the zero to your goals and look where you're what you're scared for uh, realize that money is available realize that no one is too busy you can always reach out ask yourself the question what can i do in six months that normally takes 10 years realize that everything that you see has been invented by someone realize that media loves it when you present bigger plans and be aware that sometimes a bigger thing can be easier than a smaller thing well this was my little lecture on the art of thinking big um it took me a while for me to also really step into these topics and owning it but i'm enjoying the podcasting and as i said earlier someone recommended me to do a few short solo episodes and the art of thinking big yeah is a topic that i'm i enjoy and because i am a dreamer it comes quite natural to me because I don't think in, in limitations. Then as a bonus, uh, someone uh, shared this with me, Lonneke Bonsire. It's about your mindset and your thoughts. Like what type of thoughts are you eating? Because uh, as you know, uh, in, in spiritual circles, they say you're, you are not your thoughts. Uh, you, you are not your thoughts, you're also not your body. So what type of thoughts are you eating? So all the thoughts that are keeping you small, uh, don't eat them and and the, the thoughts that that make you bigger uh, be open for them so that's kind of a bonus uh, thing i'm not sure if i'm saying it correctly but this is kind of my understanding so i hope you enjoyed this um, episode um yeah in the future i'll be sharing some more solo episodes on entrepreneurship or nomad life i'll be sharing six recipes that i've learned from interviewing 50 visionaries i'll be sharing an episode on maybe uh, spirituality on, on money and I'll be sharing yeah how I address those uh, topics so thank you very much for listening keep in touch and see you soon